Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Van der Hoogen's hand. But the symmetry of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he's surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Dots in the black hats. And Dots is bullets. I cannot believe he's done that. Dots in front. Dots in the hall. Dots goes in. Australia winning. Selfishly, as, a, as an Aussie and as a lover of swimming, um, and I've told you that before and you know that, but, you know, just <laughs> the podcast and, and the people that I get on. But, you know, you've worked with many of my favorite swimmers, as I mentioned, growing up. And I just wanted to sort of give you some names and then you give me some thoughts on on working with that athlete. It might bring up a memory. Yeah. You might have some stories about being at events or whatever it may be. Um, before yeah. I get to that, another question that I've sort of come up with just through this chat before we get to there. Some of these athletes you have worked with, after they've come from another program. So my question around that is, mm-hmm. how did you go as a coach, you know, sort of adding on to, to what they've already done, complementing, I guess, is the right way of do it, saying it, having a look at, you know, what you're working with, as you said, when they're coming in, you're clearly, you know, sort of a student of the mm-hmm. game in terms of observing and then, you know, having a look at that. Mm-hmm. Was that easier said than done as a coach, you know, when you've got like a jazz shipper coming in who's already, you know, fairly established in, in the swimming world, but, you know, she's coming mm-hmm. in to sort of, you know, take her, her swimming to the next level. Is that easier said than done for you as a coach? You're like, yeah, no, come here. I'll, I'll help you get to the next level. And then you're like, all right, now how, how are we going to do this? Yeah. I mean, to me, it was always important. What's the story behind it? Why do they want to uh, change? Why do they want to change and come to me? Uh, there can be two very different reasons. And and somewhere, what is it, what they wanted from their swimming and how th- their personality somewhat and their uh, attitude towards certain things was important to me that we were somewhere a match. Uh, it, it's never perfect, but it, it's uh, that has to be right. So for me, even if I had someone of the top swimmers joining in, I always gave each one of us a one-month uh, trial period where they just could pull the pin at any stage, but I could pull that pin as when mm-hmm. uh, if I felt personality-wise or they interfered with things and so on. And I had to use it, uh, thankfully, and, and they were all really um, no, like good people. Uh, so to me, it was important that they were good people as well. Uh, was it uh, challenging? Um, I, I remember the story I tried to tell, and with, with someone, I don't know, I should maybe, yeah, someone like Lisa, for example, is um, look, every coach that you had before helped you to build a pyramid to a certain level. So mm-hmm. we together want to build the pyramid now higher. So we shift a bit to the side and up here and build it higher. But what you understand is every block that was put in there before from your learn to swim coach to the next coach to the last coach before me was so highly crucial on helping you building this pyramid. Yeah. So never forget that with these other coaches. So they have been good to you they normally gave you everything what they had as a coach and so to me that was uh one part of of the story um then the second one is even at the first competition i was made them going straight away to their old coach mm. uh, because i didn't want them to walk psychologically around pool they can think oh where's this guy now and so yeah. on so when they arrived at the pool go and say hello to your old coach and then we can start to work. Uh, so, so it's kind of, I think that helped with just taking some pressure off it and so on. But then, yeah, because they were big stars, uh, they were famous within the nation and beyond that, um, 
So, so you have to carry uh, a lot of that stuff around with you and take pressure off the athletes. So Liesl was the world record holder, but she never won world championships gold medal or Olympic gold medal uh, until she came over. So for her, she was obviously a very fast swimmer, but she had to learn um, how to perform at the right moment uh, to her abilities. And, and I think that's, we talked about skill levels and about race specific training. Mm. I think as a, as a coach, the higher up it goes, you have to be very good at the psychological side. And, and for her, again, it was the journey of her um, finding, finding ways to perform when it matters to us, only to her and myself, or most importantly to her, and not what happens to all the other people around, and that's very easily said, and, and much harder to be to be executed that way, particularly for them. Uh, so at the first meet, she lost her world record uh, at the Montreal 2005 World Championships in the semi-final, and so for her it was like, and well, now the whole thing. And I trained really well. I'm in the best position, but now someone else stands in front of me again but the the 100 final race hasn't happened yet so i had to get through to her like well whether you can think that way and the race is over or we can find a way this is about lethal and so on yes we race other people and and so um that that worked for us well finding that the, the way back to the person to your lane we used to call it the office so you have to do exceptional great things on your lane first mm -hmm. before you when you touch the wall before we compare ourselves to everyone else and to make that so real that, that they can live in that uh, and, and don't have to escape too often to that outside world, the lanes next to them. Uh, that's a very hard challenge, you know. Well, so, that's awesome. So we, I, lo I love that answer. Yeah. And I think, yeah, again, I only asked that question because many coaches, not to, to the level yeah. of, as you said, you know, you've got already like a uh, a world record holder coming in or whatever, you know, but yeah. we, we've all got swimmers coming in. And as you said, you know, yeah. so you've got to work yeah. with that. So I love that answer. But mm. in terms of Liesl, so, let's so start other, with her. Oh, yeah, go for it. When, when, the other thing is when you say yes to that, you, you just say, you have to say yes wholeheartedly. I, I yeah. give you my best. You know, and, and no matter what, what happens in front of you and, you know, behind you. So yeah. I, I got uh, many scars on my back from all the knives that went through that. <laughs> and, and we have to have a thick skin uh, as yeah. a coach. We have to get people always talk and the swimmers the same. People always talk. But but does that talk really affect us? We have to be the ones who are super honest with ourselves. As, as we know, there's one person that can never lie to. That's the man in the mirror. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I have to, I can hear what other coaches say and they beg me about this and about that maybe, but I actually want to still listen to this. There's something true behind it. Mm -hmm. If there's something true about it, then I, I have to react. Yeah. And, and if there's nothing true about it, how can it hurt me? Mm. I reflect on it. No, I, I don't see it. It's like I, I actually did try to do this and this and this really hard. Whether I got it right, that's another question. Mm. But I will continue my my journey of self-improvement towards uh, the, these better solutions. And, and so we have to be our uh, hardest critics ourselves and, and challenge ourselves, no matter what's said behind us, around us. And that counts as well when people say good things to you. Um, it's nice, you know, we like that more than the other thing, but is it true what they say? Um, that that's not always true as <laughs> yeah. well, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's funny as a coach, isn't it, mate? And again, you know, you're experiencing things on a completely different level to me, but it resonates with me in terms of when your athlete's doing really well and, you know, they're winning medals or, you know, qualifying for nationals or teams or winning gold medals. Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone's happy and it's a happy team. Congratulations, yeah. team. Well done, yeah. everybody in yeah. the team. When team. your swimmer's not doing well, what's the coach doing wrong? Now, listen, the program's not working for me anymore. The pro what are you doing yeah. wrong as a coach? You've lost it. You know, six months yeah. ago, you were a great, you were a super coach. Now you don't know how to, how to coach at all. Yeah. It's funny how, yeah. how our game can go like that. So yeah, what you yeah. just said is perfect yeah. mate in terms of so, just. So you, you need to be very good at self-reflecting, you know, yeah. have I done the, and whenever we go home, normally, I mean, I found myself, the swimmers who went well, 
you know, I'm ha really happy about that. But the whole the first night I couldn't sleep because all the swimmers who didn't swim well, uh, they kept you up all night long. What did I do wrong? What didn't work yet? And so we have to be very honest with ourselves and, and, and go back to the books, whether we had a great meet. It's sometimes easier to go back to the books after a bad meet because we know we have to change. And when things were good, we have to change the same way. Uh, and we have to keep on improving and working harder for the next level the same way. But it's sometimes hard, harder to do that because things are good. Yeah. Things are easy, you know. Mm. All right, let's get to the good days, mate. Let's get to your your best memories or favorite memories or stories or even just, you know, what your first thoughts are when I say. So we'll mm. go back to, to Lisa. We talked a little bit about what when she came in. What are your memories yeah. of, of working with her? I mean, Lisa was a one very tough athlete. You know, she was tough in the pool, tough in training. Um, I believed uh, she just couldn't perform yet because there were certain things she as a person was dealing with. So I, I felt I had to address uh, some of these aspects as well. And, and I don't want to talk about details here. Yeah. But but again, we have to understand a performance is more than just uh, fitness and skills. A performance is the higher up you go, more psych more and more psychology mm. and so i had to find a lot of uh, uh ways outside the pool to to allow some uh some growth in areas that i felt that we needed to grow in as well and and i do believe that that assists then later on in in her performing at the top level when millions of people were watching you know it, it's easy easier if it's only a few people caring about you but if it's a whole nation and the whole world caring then that changes the game and so the first win for her the world championships 2500 breaststroke uh, after losing the world record in the semi-finals, as I said earlier on, uh, that to me was one of the of the great, great fond memories uh, with, with her as an athlete, where we worked together hard on making this happen, and it almost fell apart 24 hours before that final. But again, I think the, the coach's job is to keep on finding ways around it. Uh, and, and get through their reality. I always call, the, this is the reality. doesn't matter how I look at the scenario. I can think, oh, I love that final against Jessica Hardy. She just beat your world record, and I love this. Oh, we come back from this. doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> if the athlete has doubts because of that and suddenly start to change behavior and so on, that's reality. So the only reality that happens is in the athletes, six inches between the ears. And um, so, so we have to be able to uh, be great listeners at these moments, but then being able to understand that individual and come up with solutions that are suitable for that particular individual. And so again, I could give her some, I think, very sound advice, but at the end, it's the athlete who walks out there by themselves and have to execute it. And so she executed that. And, and I, I was very proud of her about that, you know. Mm. What about Christian Springer? Mm. Yeah, like top bloke, like one of the best uh, guys. In the business, uh, I uh, dearly have so much admiration for that guy. Um, he, he was, he, he was, you know, tough. Um, he he went through a challenging phase after two thousand and nine because um, people maybe don't know a Christian is he's the only sinker I ever coached. Sinker meaning he's the only one who can float because his legs were so heavy. And we tried, and I I think I'm actually quite good at teaching how. To use your body to flow he couldn't he couldn't he was just down <laughs> so when that suit came in christian was from being a hundred meter swimmer bang he was suddenly up there and he could swim that 200 broke the world record first time in his life in a situation like that still won the bronze medal then tiniest bit slower than in the fine in the semi-final so he still performed in exceptional race really to a high level uh, but then the suit went away and we knew straight away you'll be a hundred meters swimmer again. And, and so I then tried uh, very specific ways and, and, and it, it somewhat, um, uh, it, it worked to a certain level. But for him, it was then a good solution as well. We were together, I think, by then for nine years. 
and then he felt I, I, I've done this now for a while. And, and so he went over to Simon Cusack and credit to Simon, you know, he did uh, really uh, turn uh, that swimmer around to another level as well. So um, we, which was great to see. And I was very happy for him because I, I, I have high respect for, for, for Christian as, as a person very first and then, mm. and then as an athlete, what he's done from that. Um, so he was very, very fit and so on. And Simon just did um, a bit more specific work in, in some areas. And one thing Christian said to me at some stage is, uh, you know, I knew one when, when I left from you to someone else in Medahu, I knew I had to take a bit more responsibility on that journey as well. And, and I know there was something from Chess Shipper when she came to me. Uh, what she did in my corner, you know, where she felt uh, me leaving this great coach, Ken Wood, you know, that that's, um, people will charge it and so on. And, and so I, I have to take responsibility for that. So she worked really hard of almost proving people that it was the right decision for her to leave. And, and, and uh, Christian is a, a little bit in the same department. Uh, so he upped his game, started more swimming himself, but then had this great support and great coach in his corner with Simon, who, who added other elements again. And that's the game, you know, um, continuous growth of coaches and athletes together. Mm. We started taking a bit more ownership by the sounds of it, which is yeah something that mm. all the, yeah. the top swimmers do when they start to mature. What about uh, Mel Schlanger? Yeah, um, yeah, like tough, tough, tough kid. Like I, I think she's amongst the absolutely toughest um, that that I ever came across. Um, she um, she had some 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 great years ever. Some challenges uh, health-wise, which we can't really talk about, that 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 got um, in in her way. That's why she had then to retire for a while, and then uh, just started to have the feel she wanted to do it again. Started to get healthy, and then just took her swimming to another level, uh, which was great. And the great thing about um, her is um, she's one of two couples they they trained together chris wright was a swimmer mm. in my program and mel so they met and then got married and have now kids you know and and uh, that's that's another beautiful thing that comes from it that's life um and uh, i remember when they finally came up to me and had the courage to tell me that they actually date in my squad you know <laughs> and so on and i was i was fine with them because they're all both of them just beautiful people and uh it was great because they were really Sorry, coach. Uh, we have to tell you something. <laughs> how how do you go with that, Stefan? Because I know as a <clears throat> as a coach, and I, obviously I've got younger swimmers in my group or, mm. or age group, teenagers and down. So I've always yeah. got. And I I had Alan Thompson was my coach when I swam. So and oh, and, right. and with yeah. with Tomo, it was there was no relationships in the squads. That was it. There's no boyfriend right. girlfriend. With it just doesn't happen. No, obviously mm. it happened. Let's be honest. Yeah, just behind okay. closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. But as a yeah. coach, how, how did you go with that? Were you were you kind of like just if, if it's working, let's roll with it, and as long as everyone's yeah, I, still I, on task. I never had a rule about it. Um, the, the only thing is, uh, whatever you do here has to be professional. I don't want to. Uh, you know, see you guys holding hands or something like yep. in the middle of the session, or yeah, yeah. you have to be professional. If you're, if you, if your partner has a bad session, you, you can't affect the other, the other person, or you, you, you still have to keep on performing. So you have to learn this is professional. You know, you can deal with it later on and so on, but it can't affect the whole. Uh, your bad performance can't affect your partner. That, pulls them down as well mm. uh, you have to be big enough to to allow them still to shine at that moment and that was not always easy so i had like maybe uh length and tricket later on and move tricket you know they were together in the squad uh then uh, i don't know whether you trained with jessica abbott um when she was with tomo alan thompson jessica no abbott no no I, I never did all right. So she and then Michael Jackson, those two trained with me and they, they got married as well and have some kids now. So I actually I actually love that. I, I, I think it's beautiful. And uh, we, we, we spend so much time together in, in that environment where it's 
emotional uh, some highs and lows and so on and and we people and that forms relationships and and bonds and and some of the bond then goes to partnership level and so uh, now I never had a problem but when we together and train it has to be professional that's the only thing I I, I ask them to do yeah no absolutely it's a first for me i've never asked a coach that question on the podcast mate so there you go um what about jess shipper we've we've touched on her obviously in the success but in terms of your working relationship with jess Mm. she's one of my favorite swimmers of all time she was actually for for trivia out there she was my very first guest on the podcast we sat down at chandler we went and had coffee uh, her young son yes. is is has the same name as me as well, which was which was odd as well. Like, I was like, oh yeah. wow, he yeah. must be a good kid. Um, so yeah, yeah great great uh, person as well outside yeah. of the pool. But talk to me mm. about uh, your memories of working with Jess. Yeah, I mean, I I remember Jess the first time when I was on a youth team on the Australian Youth Olympics team in 2001 and so chess was on the team her home coach wasn't on it so i was asked to coach her and so i i watch her quite often and i didn't understand her skill yet how she does it and so on i always thought in those days i'm not sure i'm not sure where this will go i don't know and then later on and, and particularly she's such a lovely person outside the pool and and you go like there will be something missing in the pool oh god like once she was wet she'd turn into this fearful racer and then hops out of the water it's like oh you know all (laughs) all, all, uh, nice and so on again uh chess was just very very good as well at balancing at the competition when she had to spend energy and when she just when it was i call it work time versus uh social time or, or or recovery time almost so you can't work 24 7 at the competition that it just costs you energy and energy she used to have always her book with her um so she, we arrived at the pool she sat on the massage table and just opened that book and just got into that world then at the right moment she got out of it got herself ready warm up and so on marshalling and being raced and then she was great at switching that off again i think it's a very important skill to have for athletes um it, it's uh, something mel schlanger at the very beginning that she really struggled with she was working 24 hours mm-hmm. a day thinking about that race and thinking about it again and and so on so you could see day one to later on in the week of the meet it just got worse and worse so she had to learn that skill and most of the athletes have to learn somewhat around how to manage that we call it play time, uh, uh, rest time, or whatever you want to call work time, rest time, uh, to balance that. Um, but yeah, so she she was an um, uh, amazing racer when she was wet and then hopped out and was just this uh, just beautiful person, you know, on the outside, yeah. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and center on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. It's funny you mentioned that, uh, and I'm sure you'd agree, in terms of, um, you know, um, for the coaches listening as well, that, that's, mm. that, that message is very important for the coaches. That's something I'm still learning at times. I, mm. I find it's one of my little demons that I battle in terms of, mm. as you said, not working all the time. So when we first get there on pool yeah. deck, having my coffee, yeah. being very relaxed, I used to be like switched mm. straight on. I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. But again, you know, there are yeah. periods of time that gets tested. As you get tested, yeah. you know, all of us, okay, yeah. I've mastered it. I'm at the national age finals. I feel good. Yeah. She's made a yeah. team. All of a sudden now yeah. we're at a different level. Now I've got to manage that as well. How, how did yeah. you ever find for yourself that was sometimes a battle for, you know, your emotions, your energy yeah. levels, not letting that get the better uh, of you? There's probably two, two aspects to it. One is um, I always felt I was pushing much harder when training was still on. 
because I still felt on that side we could make the difference. We still can put in these sets and sessions yep. uh, to to make us better. But once we got to the end of the taper, I knew that side was was done. Now it's started to shift towards the psychology. So I I actually normally liked those moments anyway, mm. and and I, I found it easy somewhere to to stay calm and relaxed and 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 um not stress too much about it uh, one of the probably things i could recommend you uh go with your athletes one day through the exercise what is it what you want to tell me before your races you know i so someone like mel schlanger would have said the last time he, i wanted to talk about technique is before the warm-up and then we work in the warm-up and after that I, because i used to talk and before the race again about technique <laughs> and this yeah. and think about this yeah. and all five million things and so they then guided me uh in the future towards okay what's the good scenario for this particular athlete someone like Jaden Hadler I don't know whether you remember him yeah um, he was yeah. a good flyer uh and 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 medley swimmer Jaden he said just pump me up just you know like yeah this is this and this destroy my legs and together they destroy you know like there's just him and then someone like um uh Chess, she she just wanted quite casual, just small chat, nothing specific about swimming. She knew what to do. And so that we, again, address their reality, what is important for them. And not just because I feel I have to tell you now about that technique uh, aspect for that next race that I just do that. And I certainly found plenty of that in my younger coaching career and it took me a long time to, to figure out better ways in, in that area and then still uh, process uh, there that particular aspect. So, so fi find ways uh, of communication. What is it what they want to hear? And then it doesn't mean that they tell you the right thing, but you, you go down the track and then you maybe fine tune things uh, towards the future. Yeah, oh, that's per I love that bit of information. And I, I bet coaches out there are writing that down now and thinking about different ways. And it's perfect timing because as this is going to go out to to the listeners, uh, it's around national age time here in Australia yes. and nationals is yeah. coming up as well. Yeah. Um, and, and to so, your so point. You just some, some other aspect of this, again, talking now about the coaches, that, that we sometimes uh, have a, to have a bit of plan as well, that we know our personality, we know what we potentially do, and then have a bit of plan. I had uh, one one of the top coaches when I was men Queensland head coach and just non-coaching and mentoring all the other coaches, and he was one of the top coaches at uh, World Fastest Swimmers and so um, but he found himself quite emotional sometimes and he's a pumped up guy and, and emotional. So he had to learn to write down specific good things for this particular athlete in the hotel room and then readdress that before he walks up on pool deck again so that he his na natural instinct of reacting in that moment was maybe not always the right one to calm down athletes and to put them in the right moment. So he had to work towards finding a way, okay, that's my nature and, and, and what can I nurture here? How can I shift certain things? But again, uh, he had, I didn't want him to lose the great energy. Yeah. Uh, so keep on bringing that, but energy and, and getting in the way of the athletes or energy and, and allowing the athletes to still do what they need to do. Uh, so figuring out that, that journey. And we all have certain things we do naturally well and maybe other things we don't do so well. And then we have to figure that out in, in on the journey as yeah. well with us ourselves. Yeah, mate, that's, that's brilliant. And as I said, um, you know, there's a lot of coaches listening that are going to get a lot out of that. And quite often, you know, as you said, when we're sort of over talking, it's more sometimes we're trying to reiterate the point to ourselves more than the athletes. Like, you know, yeah. you've got this, you've got this. And that's us telling ourselves, no, we've done this, we've yeah. done this. And yeah. uh, it's yeah. just a lesson to learn for all. Mate, the last one I wanted before we, we move on from you, mm. from the athletes. And I mean, these aren't just specific. You've, you've worked with many. And as I said, mm. similar to your accolades. I mean, if we went through a lot, we'd be here longer than, and we've already talked for a bit so uh what about yeah. libby trickett as i said she's she's one of my yeah. favorite athletes of all time i used yeah. to love watching her race her yeah. versus jody even versus alice mills at times as well mm. was was a phenomenal oh, yeah. um talk to yeah. me about working with with libby and what, what do you think mm. made libby uh so successful and then you two working yeah. together what what made that successful yeah yeah uh, she's over like a very very caring person 
And then on the other side, very competitive. I mean, if she was now in the room there with you and you say it's a race to the door, she would race you and she would win as well <laughs> on the top of that. So just very competitive person, very emotional. And emotional can be a very good thing because we can look at emotions being energy. But then again, it can be a thing that can cost energy in the wrong way. And, and so for her, there was a massive balance. So her career always had this roller coaster of amazing highs. And then there was somewhat a little crash and burn. Mm. And then we, we had to find ways to deal with that. And, and I used to be not really uh, that emotional. So I was we were quite uh, the opposite in, in that context. So some, for me, sometimes it was very hard to understand again i was just thinking through my brain and and filtered it with my eyes and and so i i had to find ways that that made it better and better for this athlete uh she could swim very early quite fast but then to swim fast at the right moment to figure out the process of emotions and dealing with all these things to then put it together there was there was another uh, story so so there was um there was with her what what is remarkable with her is from when she arrived and and she had always abilities inside but how long she stayed there again she was from 2002 it took us till 2006 to beat Jody the first time i mean a lot of athletes maybe would have given up on that journey it's painful it, it, mm. it, if you're competitive that hurts and then to come back again and you as a coach have to be there and you have to find ways to do the same maybe a little bit different and a bit better smarter and and uh, and so on but uh, the athlete is at the end the one who has to go through the pain uh, and and I promised my athletes big pain every session so when they saw me I said I did I guarantee you pain but the pain will be worthwhile if you stick to it um, and 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 so she she certainly stuck to it for for long enough and and could create high amazing unbelievable heights and one of the moments I, I not long ago I talked to her on her podcast um where i felt uh in 2006 at the commonwealth games uh one of the first times i got really really emotional when in her 14th race of six days um she swam 52-8 back then in the freestyle relay which was the fastest relay split in the history of the sport mm. but that's race 14 on day six of the commonwealth games and so i was incredibly proud about her what she created there and about us as a team that we allowed from day one to day six fast swimming fitness wise skill wise dealing with emotions up and downs because not every race was great the turn of freezer really lead off was really very very slow and and again learn lessons to learn even at that level you know and and but to get to that last day and her performing that way i was just incredibly proud of her and of us of, of what we uh, created together and then to to get with her all the way to the olympics for the gold medal uh, uh, that's just um exceptional they're, they're very very hard things to do mm. to to be expected to win and then to go out and really do it uh, so uh, super proud of her well, just from a, a personal perspective, too, as I said, I've had Libby on the podcast and she actually invited me to her house to do the podcast. So I was, I was actually sitting at her bench and we're having a coffee. I brought her a coffee over yeah. and we sat there and did it. And and I think, you know, that just shows to sort of the, the kindness and warmth of, mm. of Libby as a person, you know, outside of being mm. an athlete, because, um, you know, not many people would just, yeah, just invite, you know, this guy with this big head yeah. over, just over to your house for a coffee and a chat and uh, yeah. she couldn't have been nicer now mate you've had a, a, a massive career over here in australia um mm. a four-time coach of the year i think three olympic teams mm. for australia uh all of those impressive accolades that i mentioned at the beginning of the opener again we'd be here all day if i was going through some of those mm. and this is always a hard question to ask i understand that yeah. from your perspective but mm. through those moments are, are there any that sort of stand out for you uh, and there might not be ones that we from the outside looking in would be able to pinpoint. Sometimes, as you said, it might have just been that 14th race on the sixth day that kind yeah, of stood out yeah. to you. Do you have any moments uh, that stand out to you most in that 20-year career that you were here in Australia for? Yeah, I, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's, uh, 
I, I left Switzerland because I believed I, I there is more. So I, I, I as I call it, I, I left my harbor of confidence, of of familiarity, of knowing everything how life works towards an open ocean where I didn't know what will come my way and what will happen. You know, like in the old days, a sailor, and and um, so I was dreaming about what I actually later on was allowed to do. Uh, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I didn't go on to my first possible Olympic team in 96. I could have gone as a Swiss coach with my athletes, but I've chosen not to go then because I felt it wasn't the right moment. I wanted that to be something special, not knowing that it will ever happen again, mm. that I will get the opportunity again. Uh, so then to, to be in 2004 on the Australian team and just early that year, I became Australian citizen because I said to myself, I want to be, if I make potentially the first uh, Australian Olympic team, I want to be as an Australian on that team. And so I became a citizen early that year. And then to see the Australian girls after all these years, uh, since 1956 to beat the Americans the first time again, except like the Moscow Olympics where they didn't go. But to me, that was just one of those moments to see particularly three young girls with Patria Thomas, you know, um, to, to see them taking on the world. And we were part of that. That was the first part. But to be honest, I, I, I wanted one of my athletes to stand up there by themselves as well. And so it, 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 it's, it's, yes, it is the Olympics, but it, it, because it's, it's hard, because it's challenging, because it wasn't easy. Uh, that's why I'm super proud of us to actually uh, get there and, and turn it around. But then in 2008, I almost had a totally new squad afterwards, 2009 and so on. And, and, and we created a, a new team, a new environment. It was more about 200 and 400. Kylie Palmer came in and mm. 200, 400 freestyle Australian records, silver medals at the Worlds and so on. Uh, I, I did actually enjoy that journey. And at the end, I translated the same principle. So in the 100 freestyle, the last 50, I want to be under fatigue this fast. And in the 400 freestyle, the last 100 or the last 50 under fatigue, I want to be this fast. So how can I create very specific challenges to make you tired? that it gets harder and harder for you as an athlete to do it again and again. And, and so it, it was nice to see that actually worked in, in these other events as well. So I had 2009 uh, with a totally new squad. I won coach of the year again. And that was probably one of that. I think that was my, I can't remember, fourth or third or fourth one. And, but that was probably the nicest one because early season I never would have expected us to get there again. And, mm -hmm. and together really, it was a fun time to work to, towards those 2009 worlds. And, and that was beautiful. Those, those Rome world championships and what, for, because of the squad, what we created uh, mm. together. So they're the moments probably for me. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Being able to, yeah, as you said, sort of um, do it all over again and do it with a different crop of swimmers and, and more maybe to anybody, more than anybody else, but to yourself, prove prove again what, what you're mm. capable of as a coach. So, yeah, no, yeah. I can understand yeah. that, mate. Two thousand. It's oh, not yeah, just okay. about, you have to find, it's not just about the talent walking through your doors. Uh, yeah. You have to be ready for that talent. And and then if that talent has more abilities, 200, 400 is, well, how do you translate it? So it and I, I, I'm proud at one stage my athlete won the Olympic trials in the 800 freestyle, which I never thought I would do. And, and <laughs> yeah. it, to be fair, it wasn't crazy fast, but it still was a win. So, um, um, so Brand actually, his athlete, Brand best athlete, came second in that event. And so we we looked at each other and said, "Oh, so the two sprinter coaches, you know, <laughs> uh, did something special here." And um, but anyway, um, yeah, you have, you have to be able, you know, to coach a talent that walks through your door, and you have to be ready before they walk in not getting yourself ready once they're there uh yeah. so so get yourself ready now coaches to once a talent hits you that you can go and run with them mm. yeah that's a massive one and i have heard that sort of saying before in terms of you know and even like, again with the podcast and all learning and and sort of um, upskilling yourself as a coach so that you're ready for that athlete when they come in because they can suss it out pretty quickly as an athlete, can't they? When you're probably, you know, you're in deeper water than you thought you you would be as a coach, they can suss it out. Yeah. Now, in terms of that coaching 
mentality. In 2014, you take over as head coach of Swimming Queensland. You get more of that yep. mentoring role. Yes. How did you enjoy that? Because, you know, obviously you've, you've been sort of mentoring the athletes for so long. Mm. Now you're working with coaches. Did you find it different? Did you find it a bit challenging? Did you really embrace it and enjoy mm. it? How did you find that mentoring role? Uh, it, it's certainly different. Uh, I probably found it almost more enjoyable because coaches are so thankful when when you give them something. You know, swimmers sometimes what you give them is pain, so they can look at you. I mean, throughout the main training phases, I'm, I'm not sure the swimmers wouldn't have always just praised me, yeah, because they they would have struggled. I would have sent them from pain to pain and 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 let them grow that way, but in a painful way. And so they wouldn't have reflected on it always. Oh, thanks, coach, for today. You make me work really hard. But coaches, they were they were just um, embracing anything they could get because they, we always keep on thinking about our swimmers. So I really enjoyed the mentoring side. I used to work at the university in Switzerland in physical education for five years. So I taught physical education students. So I always was a a a. a, a, a uh, education, I always liked that and 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 uh, loved that to be part of my journey. So when I could focus on uh, influencing one coach, hopefully in a way who then influences 50, 100 swimmers in front of them, uh, that was great. If you have six to 10 coach swimmers in the water, what I used to have, or 12 maybe, uh, then, then you influence those ones. But with influencing 30 coaches in Queensland, it, it, it's great and, and um, seeing what uh, I'm, I'm proud as well being a Queenslander so, sorry there Robbie so uh, <laughs> that, that's all the side you know and, and uh, seeing like a Chris Mooney just doing what he's done now from he he wanted this so badly and pushed hard for a long time um, so he he what he has achieved with his athlete was just beautiful to see and watch and 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 so they're they're lovely lovely uh stories going back to there you know where you could maybe have that little impact as well mm. on 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 those guys uh but it was creating a community always of of us coaches when we come together that we help each other uh to me that was important that we that we share help each other and through sharing i will reflect on my own knowledge again, in a totally new way, uh, like even today in the podcast, you know, I, I suddenly reflected on certain things again for for the coaches out there and and for um, and I think don't be scared of sharing, uh, be, embrace sharing because you will have to redefine how you think about it and then listen carefully, not saying use everything what you hear, but listen carefully and then and then um, employ that in in a somewhere new way for your athletes we have to keep on growing we have to keep on improving ourselves um and once we stagnate in our sport the sport keeps on going upwards that means we pass backwards mm. as a coach so we have to be very proactive about that constant um uh, professional development it's an active ongoing game it's not a passive game that one mm. Well, mate, you don't have to apologize to me about the Queensland chat because I actually uh, spent four, nearly five years up in Queensland and, oh, cool. and I, I was a part of that system and I, I did some work at Albany Creek and uh, an, assistant oh, awesome, and an assistant coach uh, capacity and that's where I started working closely with Bram because he'd come to the pool and, and help with the yeah. junior squads and I started learning oh, awesome. from him and Drew McGregor was yeah. awesome and Barry Prime and yeah. it, it is a fantastic setup uh, that they have yeah. up there so yeah. No, yeah. no no offense taken mate I absolutely understand yeah. exactly yeah. where you're coming yeah. from and also yeah. no you're not you know we're not shit talking here that's actually that's what happens up mm -hmm. there it's you know the yeah. feet yeah. are on the ground and they're seeing the coaches yeah. on pool deck every morning yeah. and it's you know all the different programs isn't it? it's yeah. not just your high performance programs yes they're right yeah. across the board mm. and and look like again back to what you said early on you know as a coach what can you do you can you can do these things or you can invite people to come and, and look but but be proactive about it of, of uh, finding moments where you can improve and where you can do things and keep on talking to to a lot of people about it and really find your your old um knowledge uh because of that yeah mm.
Now, mate, I promise we've not got long to go. We, I didn't realise how long we'd talk for, but I've, I've been absolutely yeah. loving it and I've probably got another thousand questions for you, but I promise I'll, I'll wrap it up soon. The next one yeah. is, a, is an important one because I think, you know, for, for coaches out there, you know, we've got 2024 coming up, 2028 isn't that far away mm. in terms of your planning. Obviously in Australia, yeah. you mentioned earlier, 2032. Something that's always fascinated me, and, and you've been there many, many times, is the lead up to an Olympic Games, that planning, mm. that, that four year or three, or depending if it's COVID, mm. <laughs> two and a half years, um, yeah. you know, you've got to find, you know, change it up. But what does that planning look like for you as a coach? Like, how far out are you, if you've got a 16, 17 year old, um, you know, young, talented swimmer who might be at the top of his or yeah. her state? How far out are you looking at, at an Olympic Games in terms of your mm. planning long term? Not so much you're talking about it and hammering every day. Here we go, we're going to the Olympics, yeah. and you've got four to, four yeah. years left. But yeah. in terms of what, yeah. you know that long term athlete development that we always talk mm. about, um, yeah. yeah. Well, what does that look like for you as a coach? Yeah, um, it, it's an interesting thing that combination long term athlete development and and I probably. If I was to be able to go back, I, I probably would. How, how could I find ways when when I slowed down my brain? <clears throat> uh, so again, it had to do with me, and so I was just going and going and going. So to me, we, we then we go fast all the time uh, in training and so on, and how I maybe can balance that a little bit more um, across the future. But then again. Um, things worked quite well for those days but nowadays you have to be faster again like if the same time so you you, you won't be competitive anymore so mm. what it is what you have to adjust you have to be better at recovery you have to better be better at uh, planning for speed throughout the week throughout the months and for the partic <clears throat> particular events that that extra little speed happened already in training and consistently that by the moment you race you have that more speed left as well <clears throat> So to me, it's a, a conditioning aspects combined with uh, a readiness, uh, a performance readiness, which I think the biggest, you know, from before 2000, people gave athletes some hard training. They were tough, but they weren't fast. Why were they fast? Because they too often trained too slow. And and I, I went to Forbes Carlisle's funeral and I in the lead up, I had many conversations with him where I he still said speed through endurance. And and I was like, as I will, I think I believe in speed through speed and in race pace, specific speed to then that speed at the competition. And at the funeral, his wife said in the last week, Forbes said to him, to her, that he now believes in speed through speed. But he never said it to anyone else, but his mm. wife. But he said, I want you to tell this story at the funeral. You know, um, so, so to me, uh, within the plan, now talking about four years plan, um, you, 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 can't, you can't just plan for four years, particularly with this younger generation. I think most of them, you know, they struggle if you give them a, a four months plan and this <laughs> yeah. is how we work towards them. So, so how can we use um, a speed, targeted speed, but then race-specific speed and fatigue that we can lift their standards? So to me, it's the, the ability of create self-belief through the actions on a daily day basis. That they suddenly believe, I will be in the future a better swimmer. Uh, him, the coach and I, her and I, we we created something that makes me believe more in myself. So we, within all this planning, if, if the athlete doesn't buy in, if the athlete doesn't believe in themselves and in you as a program, it, it can plan for 100 years and it will probably never happen. So how can we take them on a spiral of confidence and, 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 and self-belief growth uh, with our daily weekly actions that they that they really see i'm a better version so when lisa lined up in 2005 I, I was really happy when i read in the newspaper article she said to the journalist i'm i feel i'm such much a better athlete now in so many sp specific areas from dry land to to the pool to technique to kick and so on 
I'm actually excited to hop on the star block and see how fast I can go at these world championships. Mm. I mean, how good is that as a mental place to be in? Um, so how can we create that in our athletes that by the moment they stand there to say, I'm the best version of myself, but they know what is better. And then, so they perform, they maybe get it or not yet. And then we can say, okay, we were good here, but we still have to lift these markers, these standards, these yep. speed or more chin-ups and so on. And if we do that well, you will be a better version of yourself again. So create confidence and belief uh, through the daily actions. To me, that's 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 the plan. That That's one of the biggest plan. And then it has to be specific down to why more strength, how more strength, why more flexibility, ankle flexibility, whatever it comes down to, that you have a good plan in place of a steady improvement, which creates confidence again. Mm. And that comes back to what you said before, mate, in terms of uh, being ready for that athlete coming through. And as I said to you, mm. athletes tend to sniff out when you don't really know and you're not confident in what you're talking about. So yeah. to your point oh, there in that plan and this is what we're doing and why we're doing it, they can yeah. suss out pretty quickly if you're just saying it because Stefan Vidmar said it. So you've worked yeah. that out, which yeah. I used to yeah. do quite often. Just I'd repeat, mm. okay, that's what a coach said. So that's what we're doing mm. without actually having the understanding of it as you talked about so mate it is so important again I'll, I'll wrap it up very quickly uh in a in a second this is my last sort of more profound question for you yeah. um yeah. always we talk about coaching philosophy right what's your coaching mm -hmm. philosophy so i'm not going to go down that road in terms of swimming specific what's your philosophy in terms of having that work-life balance having that longevity mm -hmm. in your coaching career i i think yeah. for coaches you know, we can get so much down the rabbit hole in terms of, all right, as you said already, how are we going to make this faster? Yeah. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do this? Yeah. How are we gonna, oh, shit, yeah. I forgot bread on the way home. Oh, yeah. no, I didn't even think about that, which is, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a father and, a, and I'm a husband. So, you know, that should be a huge priority to me too. It's not always yeah. is, truth be told, because yeah. we get so, yeah. you know, wrapped up in what we're doing. Yeah. In, that, in that coaching philosophy in terms of more broadly, um, your, your work-life balance, your own personal health, looking after yourself physically, mm -hmm. which again, I struggle with, as you could see by this massive melon and, and huge frame. Um, yeah, what, what have you, is that something you've worked on over the years? Do you meditate? Do you read books? Do you, you know, what's your sort of, um, yeah, mm -hmm. balance in terms of it all? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in, in, in the old days, it probably, I never had to balance it because it's the only thing I wanted to do. Uh, and so I never looked at that I actually went one day to work. I just looked at I could go every day to something I really loved and enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, you know, you, you have uh, as well um, other people in, in your life. And, and, and then that's when that balance uh, starts to unfold. And, and how can how can we do that? You know, and, and um, I, I, I remember really clearly in the old days when I arrived at the KS, one of the coaches, top coaches, not in swimming, in another sport said, you know, if you if you are still married, you probably haven't coached hard enough, <laughs> and 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 that's absolutely not true. Yeah. You know, um, there there is we we are human beings, and we we need that balance as well next to it, and we need to be able to recharge our batteries as well. That when we stand in front of them, we can go again, and everyone has to do that in a in a known way. Hobbies are. You know, uh, being able to look yourself in the mirror and and say like I'm 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 in a good place, you know, yeah. um, and so then I can show up on pool deck and I can give the performance my athletes deserve and and I should be able to give professionally. Uh, but we all are human beings at the end. So uh, I remember a few days uh, at the valley pool on the car park in the back where I had to stop before walking up on pool deck and and credit showtime you know i had to find my mental place that i once i step in there i i'm in the right zone i don't allow myself uh to take this mood and and these problems on pool deck i, I literally had this suitcase dropped it on pool on, on the car park uh and i will pick you up once i leave again the session mm -hmm. but right now my athletes deserve the best from me and and so we we have to be able to to do that. So the mood changer with ourselves to be in the right position to to perform, and 
it, it's the one percenters. If we perform every session to that one percent better, the accumulation of that will have a lovely impact on our athletes down the track as well. Or if we feel that's not that important, then it can quickly go down in the other way, the spiral downwards instead of upwards. Um, so, but everyone has to find their own way, what, what it is to balance them. And, and on the bad days, how can we still perform? Um, because we all have bad days. Um, so, but mm. we have to recognize that and then not allow that to come out to have an impact on the environment. Um, so yeah, that, that's certainly yeah, a big challenge. If you find the solution, you'll be a very rich man, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say to uh, you know, I've asked that question many times, and I, and I do it because I think we're all in a constant uh, search mm. for the answer. And and I think the day yeah. you stop searching for the answer is the day you're probably admitting the defeat. I think it's always mm. good to to search for the answer and and look for ways to do it. Um, I don't always you know expect to hear the. But I, it's, I think it's always good because, you know, everyone can resonate with the answer. Everyone's going through mm-hmm. that same sort of process, no matter at what level you're coaching. Um, if you're a head coach, and I think you even mentioned it earlier, if you're a head coach of any pool mm-hmm. at any level, you know, your, your yeah. work-life balance is, is still quite hard. You know, we're conversing with, yeah. with athletes and parents uh, outside yeah. of work hours. We're planning things outside of work hours. Yeah. It can be all-consuming, yeah. mate. Now, let's... Um, Let's double down and have a bit of fun at the end here to get a bit of an idea of what Stefan Vidmar's like away from pool deck. Um, yeah. So when I throw these questions out, you just give me, you know, whatever first comes to your head. What sort of music do you listen to? Uh, I'm still an oldie. You too. You too. It's like just will we'll always be great. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny about you too? I, I love you too as well. Um, and the the new movie Sing Two. So I don't know if you're aware of the animation movies yeah. Sing and Sing Two, but anyway, I've got a yeah. three year old no. daughter, so you know we, we've okay, got to watch okay, these okay. things. <laughs> but um, one of the main characters in Sing Two is actually a, a big lion, but it's Bono. Bono is played in the voiceover. Yeah, oh, yeah, and and his yeah. music is actually in the movie. So the <laughs> other night we were, I was putting my daughter to bed, and she started singing. I still haven't found what I'm looking for because it's in the movie, and she knows the words. And I was like, This Joshua is crazy tree. that she's singing awesome. sitting here listening singing you too. yeah go go yeah yeah no she knows. she has no idea who bono is she thinks he's a massive lion but uh <laughs> yes. she, she knows the words <laughs> uh what about movies mate what, what are some of your favorite movies to watch um i actually just got a new t-shirt the other day and one flew over the cuckoo's nest with jack nicholson mm. a good old classic but i love that one so i just got it i saw the t-shirt online i just got it yeah, no, that is a classic. Are you a, a Nicholson fan? Uh, as, as in his character he plays, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about book? Are you a reader? I mean, not everyone is a reader. Do you like to read? I love learning and and I, I so I'm I love that Audible is out there. So I'm listening to books and, and so on. And most of the time something uh, you know, learning uh, uh, about something every now and then a fictional story, but more so something yeah. that upgrades me in some area right now. Just, uh, yeah, though, like, you know, um, David Attenborough about his last book. That was just brilliant how he yeah. puts things together yeah. with real uh, content there. Mm. Yeah, I'm a sucker for like an autobiography and things like that. I always think those are there's just lessons to be learned and and not just anyone. It's got to be someone I perceive to be at the top. Um, yeah. Actually, funnily enough, for, for Christmas, Stefan, I got the uh, someone gave me the Will Smith book, but I don't know if Ooh. I'll be, I'm not sure. It might be too soon not to bring this, this up. But, no, I know, but it's just sitting here next to me. So it's, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be <laughs> reading it. It's a quandary, yeah. but you know, someone got it. It's a gift. Maybe I have to have a look. Yeah. Um, just hopefully yeah. I'm not slapping people after i read it um yes what, what about favorite meals mate do you have any favorite if would you have a go-to meal that I, uh it d- depends so if i if i think swiss then there's uh, uh some I, I love raclette which is like a melted cheese poured over mashed potatoes mm. uh like not mashed smash like before you destroy it. and and then spices and and a lot of different things it just that's that one and and uh if it's more uh something that i could have every day it's like would be um salmon like normally raw salmon uh mm. like sashimi oh could die for that uh, smoked salmon uh anything like that yeah 
you know, salmon, salmon is a good one. Um, mm. This is an interesting question. If you could coach any athlete across any sport, so mm. of any era, we can go back in time. You might be sort of a historian on, on all sports. Yeah. Is there an athlete that you would have loved to have worked with in any sport just by <clears> pure <throat> admiration of, of their athleticism? I mean, it's probably two bo- two boring ones. Uh, the first one is Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali, you know, Cassius, Cassius Clay. Um, not just he was an incredible hard worker, uh, kept it fun at training, uh, had a sharp mind, was very clever with adapting to the scenarios where George, when he fought George Foreman, he had to come up very quickly with new ways to beat this guy versus uh, Sony Liston or his very first world champion. So I, I love that side of 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 uh of the sport muhammad ali and and the journey of his life how he was able to stick to his own beliefs even when the decisions he made uh came up with like him not being able to box for three years Mm. plus and having the risk of being sent to prison and so on because of the vietnam war he had strong beliefs and could stick to it and later on we saw the beliefs he had actually were right but at that moment he was very unpopular Mm. in the old days people used to boo him when he entered the pool at the ring Uh, and then the other one roger federer just of of how long he was up there how graceful he is as a mover like he's to me so he's maybe Djokovic maybe has now starts to have more goat uh, things on on the list, you know. Uh, however, Roger, his movement on the court is just incredibly smooth. How he balances that and how he trains for that, uh, his loyalty, like he has for twenty two years now, the same strength coach, yeah. um, and and stuck with that guy, and obviously for very good reasons. Um, but then he made very smart decisions. Sometimes he didn't have a coach. Uh, sometimes he was just by himself and then he employed someone else and who he felt this guy like Tony Roach at the particular times, 2007, he employed the Australian coach and and because at that moment he believed that guy can add to my games and, and he had some consistent coaches, one particular guy, but otherwise was very smart about bringing people into his field of who could help him to the next level so to me that's that's kind of the athlete that that i that i admire hard worker both uh smart though about how they approach it and come up with very good solutions in in the scenario of the battle uh, and and um when they lose they're still humbled and try to figure it out a better way for the next game mm. um never have any excuses so they're, they're probably my two highlights Oh, mate, they're two great ones. There's no doubt about that. Uh, second question about in terms of fantasy sort of thinking, if you could coach any other sport, is there a, is there a sport that you always uh, admired? You had a, you know, you mentioned earlier sort of your understanding of many different sports. Was there a sport that you ever thought, oh, you know, I, although, you know, you've smashed it at swimming, I'm not saying you should have looked outside of yeah, it, yeah, yeah. clearly being yeah. successful, but was there one that you looked at like, eh, I'd like to have a crack? Uh, not, not really. If so, because of very similar energy systems, it would be uh, probably middle distance running, uh, so 800, 1500. Uh, where it's about somewhat about still speed, but then this incredible stamina that you need in in that event. So, uh, you know, a, a young guy like Jakob Ingebrigtsen who won the 1500 uh, at the Olympics in Tokyo as a, I think 20 year old, uh, which is just unreal, and won already European championships in the 5000 and 1500 as a 17 year old. And the journey of him and his father coaching him, um, but it's that similar event, but that intensity of of where you have to live. Uh, to me, track and field running events, uh, but more so the middle distance is probably something that will cover it. So the the you know 140, what they go right now to the 1500 at 326, what the world record is to me. Uh, so, but how to break in their game, how to break these marks, uh, mm. the 326 has been now for a long time, I think it was, I don't know, is it still in the 90s or early 2000 when that one was broken. So what do you have to do in that sport? They're much closer to the limits. What do you have to do in that sport? And so Inge Brixen is now has the European record as a 20, 21 year old. And what will his journey be and how they will unfold it? His father being his coach. 
of finding that difference to it. So to me, that, that that's the exciting part. That's why a time um, and, and, and distance where you can compare it again and again, it's like swimming laps and so on. I, I love that side more so than uh, diving where someone gives you points because of what you just done. And so on. I want it, you know, there's black and white, there's a time, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I always say that to, I've got a few mates who do bodybuilding. Um, clearly, I don't do it with them, but they, they do it. They look phenomenal. And I always say, what are you doing it to yourself for? Because they look phenomenal. And then someone will say, oh, you're fifth. And I yeah. think well, that's just based off, you know, as you said, like sort of a number and someone's judging system. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm like you. I like it black and white. It's either we won yeah. or, we, or we didn't win. Yeah. Uh, mate, my last one is, um, and, and hopefully we can catch up at some point in the future down the track. Um, if yeah. I take you to the pub, what, what drink would I be shouting you when I go up? <laughs> uh Nowadays, um, it could be uh, some uh, a Merlot, uh, like a, 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 a lovely wine, or but still the beer. Like right now here, uh, they, they got some lovely beers. So, um, but more so a, a, a lager, something mm -hmm. like that. But um, uh, a Pilsen, the original Pilsen, is is always a lovely, lovely one, which I had in that city. I, I went to the city, and the only thing I wanted to have a Pilsen. So um, the, the beers are still at the top of the list. No, yeah. Nothing hard. I'm, I'm not into every now and then a nice whiskey, but I'm, I'm not there yet. I think I'm still in, in the heart too young. <laughs> not by age, though. <laughs> oh, mate, perfect. Now, um, you've been very generous with your time, mate, and I think now is the perfect time to, to say thank you for coming on the podcast yeah. for a chat. As I said, you've been not only generous with your time, but generous with your knowledge. I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, you didn't mm. even hesitate. I reached out to you. You were pretty much yes straight away, which um, yeah. I don't know why. I always get shocked, and especially with with coaches and swimmers that I admire so much. Mm. And even just you saying you listen to the podcast always shocks me, mm. even though I do it for people to listen to. But it just yeah. always still blows my mind that after <laughs> I've done it here in my in my office area, it goes out and yeah. people are listening. But thank you very much, mate, for, for sharing your knowledge and sharing your time today, I think. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was really important to talk to you. I think you're a brilliant mind of our sport. You've done so much and created, mm -hmm. um, you know, so many great moments for certainly here in Australia as well and being a part mm -hmm. of, um, you know, what a rich history of swimming we had. And you're a major yeah. part of that, mate. And I think it's uh, it's always important to, to give the flowers where they are due. And you are certainly, um, you know, no different to that. So thank you very mm -hmm. much for coming on the podcast, mate. Good luck uh, with, with everything you've, you know, you've got coming up in the future and um, continuing to kill it this certainly isn't an end of the road for your coaching career i'm not eulogizing your coaching career yeah. many many years to go uh, yeah. and hopefully we can stay in touch mate and uh, yeah. hopefully maybe appreciate we appreciate can... that thank you very much and and you know to all the coaches uh we probably got the best job in the world uh i know it's not always easy and not always thank uh people are not always thankful <clears throat> towards what we've done uh, but but keep on dreaming for all these youngsters out there uh, because uh, it's it's probably not uh, always easy, but it's worthwhile in the long term run. So uh, yeah, the backbone of of a great sport of swimming and and uh, keep on dreaming big for and not just dreaming big about the Olympics. Keep on dreaming big about whatever level you work at, and they're all as important. The, the performance coach down to the learn to swim coach. We all deliver the same uh, important uh, job to the community. So keep it up, and and um, thanks a lot, Robbie, and and keep on doing what you do as well, because you close the gap of something really important here, of of getting people together and sharing knowledge. Well, thank you very much, mate, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yes, definitely. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. 
And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.